Well, welcome to the next edition of Business Law Focus. It's an absolute pleasure to welcome Michael Foundatakis to the show today. He's the recently appointed chair of the Africa Steering Committee at global law firm Baker McKenzie. Michael, welcome to the show. Great having you with us. Um, and, and let's perhaps start with this new position, global chair of the Africa Steering Committee, um, part of a, a global multinational law firm, one of the biggest in the world. Maybe let's just start with your strategy for Africa. Africa coming through some tough times, obviously with COVID, um, a lot of economies, a lot of businesses struggling significantly. However, we're also seeing some blue sky and some opportunities driven by the commodities boom, of course. So maybe give us some insights into your strategy. Evan, thank you for having me on. It's it's a pleasure to be on. Um, I think our strategy is no different than that of any sensible law firm. Um, basically, follow your clients. And we have a, a wide variety of clients um, spanning different sectors, uh, everything from banks to sponsors to development finance institutions. Uh, so basically, our view is follow what they are doing. Um, and, you know, there are exciting sectors right now. But I still think fundamentally, one needs to look at the continent for what it is. And a lot of foreign investment really is about, um, you know, taking the benefit of the commodities that the uh, continent has to offer and then reducing the risk in relation to that. And then there's a ripple effect which benefits the continent. You know, you want to extract, let's say, copper out of Zambia. Uh, end result is that you want to lower the performance risk, so therefore you need to have good transportation, you need to have the power to power um, whatever is required to transport A from B or a mine, um, you need the, therefore uh, you know, everything that's linked to the necessary infrastructure. And ultimately, it isn't just a matter of just extracting and exporting these, it's you know the side benefit that should be obtained by everyone. Uh, by those local economies, by the populations of those economies. So really, there is. I think that's the pleasure of working with uh, also DFIs because it, 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 they have a wider mandate to help the development of the continent in general. And of course, I want to address the, the elephant in the room. Of course, we've got a crisis in the Ukraine. You mentioned commodities. Maybe just your thoughts on the, the potential impact there. I know you've had a lot of successful transactions of late. Um, how will you need to adapt um, in light of this? Well, that's a tough question, but, you know, uh, <laughs> I guess it's something that is front and center yep. uh, to all of us. Um, there could be this unfortunate situation uh, in relation to the Ukraine and ultimately the sanctions that are being imposed on uh, the Russian Federation means that the Russian Federation will be halted from exporting certain amounts of, let's say, uh, petrochemicals, gas, oil, um, metals, and so forth. So there may be some real opportunities yep. uh, for the continent. You know, oil and gas from Nigeria, Angola, Mozambique, uh, you know, copper and cobalt from uh, Democratic uh, Republic of the Congo. Uh, there are many, many, many opportunities. The question, though, is there could be an overall impact um, on the global economy. And if demand goes down, uh, particularly, for example, in China, we don't know what's going to happen 
with the position in China. Um, and even Europe, um, recession is being predicted. This could negate the what seem the short term benefits um, for, let's say, African economies. So it's really a difficult one to call. It's a difficult one to call. Yeah, exactly. Pro, a lot of positives, but also significant negatives, potential neutral yeah. effect on the whole. And um, and I think it's one to watch very closely. But but thanks. I think that's quite prescient. Um, also interesting coming from your perspective. And let's just drill down to some of the groundbreaking transactions in the past year. I mean, you obviously here to accept some awards as part of these teams that have been involved in certain of these transactions, syndicated loans, etc., that you've been involved with. Uh, maybe unpack some of that. And specifically, I, I think what I'm interested in is is the, the impact was severe in many economies, but yet you managed to package some of these important transactions. Maybe talk us through that and how it transpired and where the where the pockets of growth actually um, lie. Uh, thanks for that. I mean, it was a bit of a plug, but I'll take it. <laughs> um, basically, um, we were. It, it was nice to to see that we were um, essentially chosen as. Um, the legal banking and finance legal advisor of the year for 2021 at the GFC's Bond and Loans and Sukuk conference in Cape Town recently. And we also won the EMEA Finance African Banking Awards Best Law Firm of the Year. Um, I think this was off the back of some of the key transactions we've been doing um, over the past year. Some of them linked to COVID, uh, supporting African Export Import Bank in um, its rollout to help finance uh, the development and exportation of COVID throughout the continent, um, helping them uh, in building a hospital in Nigeria, which will be a, a regional hospital to try to retain uh, medical talent on the continent, retain tourist dollars rather than uh, you know, for African citizens going to Switzerland, Germany, France for treatment, retaining that on the continent. And then if that's a success rolling out in Eastern Africa and Southern Africa with similar such projects, but also assisting um, on in large, you know, project financing deals. Uh, again, one mm-hmm. of the deals uh, that one plaudits uh, <coughs> was one in which we were involved in, uh, basically where we, um, we're involved in a, was a 1.46 billion financing to the Tanzanian government in connection with the construction of the standard gauge railway linking uh, Dodoma to Dar es Salaam. And there we acted for the lenders. And I think that's deemed to be the largest project financing of this type uh, in Eastern Africa. So even with the pandemic, um, there was a lot of activity on mm-hmm. the continent and we have been very happy to be associated and advised on a lot of that, uh, I I think, high-profile and key transactions that have occurred over the last year or so. Yeah, and the link back to the development side, and, you know, in South Africa, certainly talking a lot about infrastructure, but, you know, hoping that far more can be done. So actually quite good to see that there are pockets of opportunity. But I just want to put you on the spot again, Michael. Well, well, wait, um, wait a second. Even <laughs> in South Africa, let's not ignore South ah. Africa. We advised the Aspen Group, uh-huh. uh, who are developing, um, you know, vaccines. 
Um, mm. And they recently obtained financing from the IFC, from you know, nice. DEG, the, the German region, uh, sorry, Development Bank, from ProParco, the French Development Bank, from DFC, from the US, to actually develop that in South Africa and export it throughout the African continent. So, you know, we, you know, mm. South Africa has a key role to play here. Yeah. And, you know, we're involved, you know, we're on the ground in South Africa and we're very happy to be involved with transactions of this nature. Yeah, the glass is half full. I think when you hear about that, um, quite uh, quite positive. Obviously, the the headlines tend to to be extremely negative at the moment, and we need the the mm. policy shift, you know, to support a lot of this. But certainly, I mean, State of the Nation, etc., recently is talking about the, the the need for this type of growth. So it's so really good to see that things are happening on the ground. And and you know, as I said, just time to put you on the spot, though, based on all this experience, though prediction for Africa. I mean, we tend to have a negative perception, but when I listen to you, I kind of get a sense that, you know, if you dig a bit deeper to the real the real economy, the transactions happening on the ground, there are actually things happening. Is your outlook for Africa a little bit more positive than some people would expect? I have always been positive about Africa. I've, I've been working on the continent since 1995. Uh-huh. Um, I'm a European, but it's always attracted me. And um, I know there was a lot of attention that came to the continent post 2008 as, you know, the financial crisis hit Central and Eastern Europe. Uh, investors looked elsewhere and they thought they could make a quick buck on the continent. Africa is not about a quick buck. Africa is about long-term investment. And I think yeah. the, the, the biggest problem is um, getting longer tenors, getting investors to understand that this is, you know, the the credit risk isn't higher on Mm -hmm. the continent than it is elsewhere. But there's this perception outside of the continent that there's a greater risk in Africa. It isn't that. What we really need in Africa are longer tenors and long-term investment. There's an infrastructure gap, and that infrastructure gap is really more, the money is there, but we need more deals that are bankable Mm. um, and can be sustained over a long period of time. Sure, what we've just discussed, I think there are always opportunities, but there will always be geopolitical reasons that may affect, um, you know, the global economy and hence impact the continent. But it's a, uh, to me, it's a sure road. It's a long road, but it's a sure road, you know, with a young population booming. I think there is much for the future of Africa. Often what we don't speak about is the potential lurking in the smaller, more dynamic trading economies. Um, have you got some, some thoughts on, on, on that? Um, will, will you be focusing on some of those in the year ahead? Oh, abs- absolutely. I mean, uh, there are the usual suspects there that everyone looks at. Mm. You know, everyone, naturally, Nigeria is this big powerhouse. And, you know, there are other large economies traditionally. But you, you see what happened to, to Zambia. You know, things can go, yeah. things can go wrong. But of, of late, we've seen that there are smaller economies um, that have been uh, ticking along very nicely. Uganda is, is a typical example. Some of the French, uh, Francophone-speaking countries like Senegal and Cote d'Ivoire uh, have been ticking along nicely. For me, though, what I'm constantly shocked by, and sorry, maybe I shouldn't be saying this, but as a European looking on the continent for years, is I'm at a loss about South Africa. I just don't understand why. I understand you you have a huge economy, um, a, a unique economy on the continent, 
but it, it strikes me that it's it's the time for you know the sleeping bear to wake up and start looking mm-hmm. to I think spread its tentacles throughout southern Africa to start getting more involved take mm-hmm. the seat at the table that it should have taken a long time ago yeah good point I think that 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 is I think the as you say the sleeping giant type analogy is, is very apt and it just needs to happen. And um, I mean, just to talk about the potential as well is, is we are seeing a lot of in, in South Africa as well, you know, these big mobile uh, tech companies are expanding and the platform economy is developing quite strongly. We're seeing significant e-commerce growth, 60 odd percent. Does that excite you as well when it comes to structuring transactions? Absolutely. Um, Baker McKenzie has always been at the the front with anything linked to to high tech, to telecoms, IT, and all that. To be frank with you, it's not really my area of strength, but my mandate isn't just banking and finance. It's everything. And the continent has absolute potential. Look at Kenya. Um, Traditionally, the infrastructure for telecoms wasn't there. So many African countries skipped the whole infrastructure required for landlines and jumped straight to mobile phones. And Kenya actually is leading the world in terms of telephone banking technology. So, you know, out of the necessity, what is it? Necessity is the mother of invention. There are so many opportunities for tech companies, for uh, PE houses to look into expanding in these areas. I I, I think there's so much opportunity for this continent. Yeah, and I just wanted to conclude uh, with a point that you mentioned earlier is is the bankability is, 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 you know, obviously needs to be balanced and applied. Um, But there are these opportunities that are very exciting. There's the potential uh, but the responsibility, there's responsibility that comes with that. And and maybe if you can maybe conclude as to what you expect, you know, when you put these deals together, because I'm also assuming that a lot of deals are not ready for market or bankable, unfortunately. Now, what do we need to do to get more of these projects in place? And, and as you know, and, and the bankability, as I say, requires a little bit of responsibility when it comes to the sustainability of that project. Well, I, I think, well, let, let's split those two things. One is sustainability in terms of, I think, long term. Yeah. What we need to be looking at is a greener future in, in that sense of the yes. word sustainable. Um, on, and also, I think, bearing in mind the socioeconomic issues involving the continent, um, it is important sometimes to look beyond that. Um, we often hear from African clients saying, why are we care? We didn't pollute the North. Why should we be carrying the burden of all these difficult ESG burdens on us? Um, you know, clean up your own house in Europe first. Uh, you, you get that. Yeah. But I think the most fundamental thing in all of this is the bankability, the ability to have a project that's viable. The loan can be serviced, um, that the risk is mitigated. And it isn't just about legal. I'm not trying to be a lawyer here. Mm. It's commercial. You know, if, if we get the infrastructure in place, the majority, I, I, I could bore you with a deal in which if you found out how much ore was lost, taken from the mine to the port from derailment and then just left there, you would be shocked. Mm. So, It's lowering these sort of performance risks through better infrastructure, through better uh, power and so forth, which will make the market more attractive. 
um, the deals need to be viable. They need to be bankable. You need to have the um, to encourage the, the the lenders to come in, and this is where the DFIs come in in many yeah. cases. And if they are more attractive, then the tenors will go, will extend. They they can more long term investment. And in many cases, this is why mixed investment is important. Getting ECAs involved, getting DFIs involved, so that we can mix the financing and make everyone more comfortable with the potential risk. Well, Michael, I can definitely hear that you're speaking uh, based on significant experience and, and thanks for these insights. It's been absolutely fabulous chatting to you. A lot of food for thought. Um, and let's hope that that prediction of Africa outperforming certainly comes true. Um, so thanks very much. Great chatting to you. Pleasure was mine, Evan. Thank you very much.